0: Exodus chapter 33, verse 7. I've called this message, you may want to put that up there, thanks Dave. Sanctify the seasons. Yeah. That may not make a lot of sense to you right now, but it will by, by the time I'm finished. About halfway through this message, you'll get this. Exodus 33, verse 7. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent tent. Of meeting anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp and whatever Moses whenever Moses went out to the tent all the people rose and stood at the entrance of their tents watching Moses until he entered the tent and as Moses went into the tent the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke to Moses you get this picture fantastic picture Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to their tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent, and the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And here is the verse I want to talk about this morning. It's fascinating. And a few months ago, it grabbed my attention and I couldn't get past it. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. What a strange verse it's just tagged on it seems to be a passing comment after the description of this amazing place called the tent of meeting and there's this young aide who worked with moses joshua we all remember joshua and joshua just hung around in the tent But I realized after I began to study this that Joshua was not just hanging around on holy ground. He was actually up to something very important. You know, the Bible contains principles and truths and patterns. And whenever I see a pattern in Scripture, I know there is a principle lurking somewhere, hiding there. And so when you're reading your Bible, can I just encourage you, if you see a recurring pattern, it's going to lead you to a principle if you look for it. You're going to look for it. We just had Easter recently, and we, you know, it's a, a bit of a custom in our family. We hide Easter eggs in our garden for our grandchildren. You guys all missed out. Sorry about that. But we had our other grandchildren and Paraparamu came. <laughs> <laughs> I ate all of your Easter eggs. No. But we hide these. We hide these little eggs all over the garden, and we don't hide them in difficult places because we actually want the kids to find them. You know, God is just like that. He wants you to find the things that are hidden. I'll try that over here. He wants wants you to find the things that are hidden in His Word. Come on. But you've got to look for it. And so what I discovered in these few verses turns out to reveal a recurring pattern in the Bible which I believe leads us to a principle. And I began to look at some other scriptures and the stories in the Bible, other instances of people in scripture who in different kinds of circumstances and in different times and seasons just seemed to be marking time, doing nothing in particular, but they weren't just hanging around. They were actually found in their story, sanctifying the particular season they were in, setting it apart for God. This is really important. Now stay with me. In Joshua's case, there's absolutely no detail whatsoever of what he was doing hanging around in the tent of meeting after God had left. (laughs) Have you ever been in places where there's that lingering sense of the Holy Spirit's presence? And the meeting's over, everyone's going home, but you just want to stay there. Do you know you can do this at home? This is one thing you can try at home. (laughs) Joshua doesn't give us much detail, but I do understand something about this tent of meeting. It was a place where God came down and communed with Moses face to face like a man talks to a friend. By the way, Moses is writing this. He's writing Exodus. It would eventually be replaced with the tabernacle and the priesthood and all that God put in place under the law of Moses. Moses. But this tent of meeting was a consecrated place. I want you to get this. It was a place set apart for God. And just like all of the furniture in the tabernacle that was to be produced and created, everything had to be dedicated to the Lord. As a matter of fact, the word holy, which does contain an element of moral purity, the word holy simply means set apart for God. And so this tent was consecrated ground it was just a tent in the middle of the desert here's what i realized two things very quickly you and i can create a tent of meeting holy ground if you will a holy place of encounter and engagement anywhere any place anytime just let that sink in now did you hear what i just said you can meet with god in a sanctified place a set apart apart place for god anytime any place doesn't have to be in a meeting praise god for meetings i love meetings The second thing I discovered is we can therefore also sanctify a season a period of time in our life and we can set it apart for God and make it holy by declaring it as consecrated to God now I don't know what season you're going through but I do know this you don't want to get stuck in the wrong season Or there are people stuck in seasons. Anybody feeling stuck in a season? Thank you for your honesty. The rest of you just telling lies I have to Anybody feel stuck in their season? I have a key to get you through this morning. <laughs> there it is set it apart for God. You see, the Bible tells me that there were all kinds of people meeting in all kinds of places, not necessarily a tent, but consecrated places in valleys and deserts and caves and prison cells and fiery furnaces and arcs in the storm, lions, dens, altars of personal sacrifice. People went through all kinds of rubbish stuff, garbage, bad horrible valley seasons. But what I discovered in the Bible, they actually turned their season into a consecrated place by setting it apart for God. It wasn't an accidental thing. It's something you have to actually do. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. This will bless you if you let me tell you. <laughs> if you say amen in your heart. I think about David. Let me just give you a few examples, shall we? david the shepherd boy was destined for kingship he he was anointed by uh, samuel was it i think it was and, and he was actually destined to be the king he couldn't enter into his destiny what's he doing he's on a mountainside somewhere looking after sheep for crying out loud the future king of israel rejected by his brothers rejected by king saul but instead of wallowing in self-pity and sadness he's singing songs of worship to god and writing music that you and i actually sing today yeah. isn't that amazing yeah, come on. he tuned into god and he set apart that season of his life and said god i'm going to be the best version of myself you've ever seen i'm going to just worship you and he made that place up on the hillsides, holy ground, and God was with him. In a very special way, amen? Yeah. It looked like a setback. He didn't get depressed, dismayed, and discouraged. He encouraged himself in the Lord and sanctified the season, consecrating it to God, making it holy, set apart for God. Yeah, it's good well, think about Joseph. You remember Joseph? He was his father's favorite and his brothers hated him for it and so they threw him down a, a well and eventually he ended up being sold as a slave and, you know, the story ends up going to a certain place and gets accused of something that he didn't do. done and now he's in prison. And what's he done? Wrong. That was not a hard question. <laughs> he did nothing wrong. He's faithful to God and in the prison cell he could have been saying, come on, God, what's this all about? separated from his family didn't want to be there but he's obviously in touch with god because god gives him dreams he's tuning into the holy spirit and actually what happens is he's actually sanctifying that prison cell i'm sure prison cells back then were not very nice they'd be stinky dirty places probably with a few rats and mice running around and horrible creepy crawly things and it would be filthy and dark, but he set that little place apart as his tent of meeting with his God. I haven't got to my point yet. He turned the dungeon into holy ground, basically. Because when you set something apart for God, it's holy ground, and he's likely to turn up. Turn with me, if you would, for a moment, to Luke's Gospel chapter 2 and verse 25. Here's an interesting story about a man called Simeon. He was uh, some kind of priest in the officiating priest at the temple. Listen to this. Luke's Gospel 2, 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Wow, what a promise. Moved by the Spirit one day, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in a child, the child Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms, praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. I've seen him. You can take me home. <laughs> my eyes have seen your salvation which you've prepared in the sight of all nations light for the revelation of the gentiles and the glory of your people israel you know he'd received a word from the lord and he just hung around it was obviously had duties there but he was waiting anybody waiting for something Nobody over here waiting for anything. All, everyone, all the waiting people are over here. This is where most of the altar call, will make a big space, over this side here. We don't know how long he'd been waiting. He was getting on in years. By the way, all guys rule. By the way, just want to put that in here. But he was waiting patiently for the fulfillment of the promise. He sanctified that season, set it apart for God, and believed with all of his heart he was going to see Jesus before he shuffled off his mortal coil. <laughs> a bit of Shakespeare in there, just for. <laughs> I want to tell you, friends, when you feel like you're marking time, the Holy Spirit never wastes anything. You can actually redeem the time waiting, if you'll just sanctify the season. Amen. Just a few verses later, Luke two thirty-six. There was also a prophet, Anna the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher, she was very old. She'd lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and there was a widow, she was a widow, and she was 84 years of age. She never left the temple. That sounds a bit like Joshua, never left the tent of meeting. She never left the temple, worshipped, night and day, fasting, praying, coming up to them at that very moment. Wow, what a God moment that was. She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who are looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. What's Anna doing there? Elderly lady, bless her heart. Faithful, just hanging around in the temple. No, no, she's not. She's waiting. She's, she's actually sanctifying the season. There's not a lot for her to do at that age, you know. That's a lie right there. <laughs> I've never been so busy in my life. So far, as anything connected with you regarding what happens when you sanctify the season? Well, I won't wait too long. I'll just let us get into this. See, in Joshua's case, sanctifying the season preceded a suddenly of God. And I'm going to show you from the Scriptures in every case, every sanctified season is followed by a suddenly from God there's one thing about God he's a, you know his ways are not a one but he's consistent <laughs> there are some things we can say God will do we actually sang it today why because he's faithful yeah. amen yes Joshua made that season a place of holy ground encounters and, and consecrating it to God resulted in him becoming the great leader who would take over from Moses and actually lead the people into the promise? Mm-hmm. That's amazing because one day the word came from God Moses is dead. In David's case, what a long season it was up there in the hills. He made it holy ground, a season of rejection and scorn for him, became a season of dedication and consecration. Then he was chased by King Saul into a little cave in a place called Adullam, and all of the waifs and strays came and joined him there, but out of that cave came a mighty army of fighting men. There was that moment that we all love to read about when David faced Goliath. His brothers still tell him to get back to your sheep. What are you doing down here, you just busybody. Push off. And God speaks to his heart because he's in tune with the Holy Spirit. He hasn't wasted the moments. He hasn't lost track of who he is in God. And so when the moment comes, he just picks up a tiny little pebble. Actually he picked up five. Somebody said that Goliath had four of the brothers. I don't know if that's got any connection there. But he had little stone. He is Simeon, sanctifying the season. He suddenly arrives at the right place at the right time. Have you ever been the right person at the right place at the right time? Oh, yeah. oh, that's great when that happens. Anna the prophet, dedicated, consecrated. Did you notice the words she never left the temple? It was more than just the building. She never left her connection with the Holy Spirit. She just kept in tune with God. And so I, I, I see this... Significant thing here that a sanctified season seems to be a setup for a Holy Spirit suddenly. Oh, it's a bit of a mouthful. That a sanctified season seems to be a Holy Spirit set up for us suddenly. Mark chapter 1, verse 1 the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written. In Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So where's John the Baptist been? Well, he's been in the wilderness. Strange man. Camel's hair, clothing, eating locusts and wild honey. What's he doing there in the wilderness? Walking around, I suppose. Just... No, nothing in particular, just hanging around. No, 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 no. He's waiting, yeah. he's setting this season apart because God has spoken to him. And one day, the word comes here it is in verse 4 John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness. It's like, oh, there he is, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. On and on it goes. Then he says, verse 8, I love verse 8, I preached on this a couple of weeks ago, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John had lived somewhat of an obscure life, living in the wilderness places, but John had a call upon his life, friends, God will take us through wilderness places because of the call on our life. I'm sorry, there's no other way to say this. You think you've got a call of God into the fast track to glory and blessing? No, no. God takes us deliberately, like he took Jesus, into the wilderness. Do you remember that? Baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon him. First thing, led by the Spirit into the wilderness. But the Bible tells me he came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. And so John's message was a get-ready-something-is-coming message. (laughs) Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. And so in John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 29, here's a suddenly. John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. I mean, he's just doing what he's been told to do by God, and then he sees him. And you might say well he knew john they were related well listen to this this is the one i meant when i said a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me i myself did not know him but the reason i came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to israel then john gave his testimony i saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him i myself did not know him But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain on is the one who will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testify that this is God's chosen one. Look, the Lamb of God. He was as surprised as anybody else. He was not expecting. Suddenly he saw Jesus. Oh, Holy Spirit said, that's him. (laughs) Holy Spirit set up stay faithful in the seasons set them apart for god in the high places and the low places make it holy ground ground that has been set apart for him whatever the circumstances might be it could be a mountaintop it may be a valley season it could be in the middle of a spiritual battle that you're going through sickness problems relationally if we will just learn as believers to set the seasons apart for god and say god i'm going to make this holy ground right here and I'm going to be the best, the best version of myself that I can possibly be in this season. And then get ready for it suddenly. Yeah, it's good. Hmm. Malachi chapter 3 verse 1. I'm just putting this in as a reference. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. Who does the Lord, who you're seeking, who does the Lord come to? Suddenly, the ones who are seeking, the ones who are seeking. The trouble is when we get into a difficult season, we tend to stop seeking God. We start to grumble and moan and complain. The sky's falling in, everything's going wrong. It wasn't meant to be like this. It was meant to be blessing, blessing, blessing all the way. But in fact, God is setting us up for something very special. So many examples. Let me try and rush through this. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. After his suffering, Jesus presented himself to them, gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. I would have thought being alive was good enough proof, but anyway. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command don't leave Jerusalem. Wait for the gift my father promised. Here's these disciples. They've just watched Jesus be taken off the cross, dead. Brutally beaten, crucified, placed in a tomb, a huge stone placed on the tomb. We just celebrated this recently, didn't we, at Easter time? And they're depressed and they're afraid and they're hiding. And Peter's denied Jesus three times with a curse when he was challenged as being one of those who knew Jesus. And now there suddenly has come, he's alive. Let's do this, they say. I mean, if Jesus can conquer death, then he can take over this Roman occupation, sort this out. Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? At last, he says, one of them says. And Jesus says, Don't do anything. Just please, just wait. 40 days. The resurrected Jesus teaches the disciples about the kingdom of God, and then Jesus instructs the disciples to set the next 10 days apart. Another 10 days. You know, it says in one scripture that he appeared to 500 people, yet we find only 120 in the upper room. Uh, I don't know if that was to do with the size of the room or whether 380 people just got so sick of waiting, they just went back to life. Praise God for the 120. They actually set the season apart. They said, well, he said, wait. He's just risen from the dead we better take notice of what he can do so let's just wait and believe that his promise is true he's going to send this thing called the holy spirit and so let's just wait and so they waited another 10 days in the upper room Acts chapter 2 verse 2 you know this verse suddenly (laughs) a sound like the blowing of a mighty wind violent wind came from heaven filled the whole house etc etc they all filled with the spirit And this pattern just keeps on continuing right through the Scriptures. When we sanctify the season and make it holy ground, whatever that season looks like for you, there is a sudden, I I can just about, I can almost say by faith, I'm guaranteeing there's a suddenly coming. Because it's right through the Scriptures. I could talk about Job. His wife said to him one day, why don't you just curse God and die, Job? And he said, even though he slays me, I will not betray him. I'll trust him. Gideon oh we could go on and on and on here's another little story I read Acts chapter 9 verse 10 in Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias and the Lord spoke to him in a vision Ananias here I am Lord he said get up he said go to the house of Judas on straight street ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul for he's praying in a vision you've seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore it Ananias is one of the disciples who are probably hiding because there's this is great persecution and he hears about this man called saul who's destroying the young church putting people in prison having them executed and then god speaks and says hey i want you a special assignment he's waiting wondering what's going to happen but i believe ananias is waiting on the lord and saying god what's going on here i trust you i believe in you he's setting apart the season and god speaks to him and said go and see this guy He's a chosen vessel. Wow, you never hear about Ananias again. The man who prayed, laid hands on the to be, soon to be great apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament. That's him. God didn't choose Ananias to put all the names in a hat, you know. He's watching for someone he could trust who's in tune with the Holy Spirit, who's connected with heaven and is feeling all the pain and all of the disappointment and wondering what's going on and actually his heart is sanctified set apart are you getting this? I want to tell you friends God's got special assignments set up for people don't get stuck in the season let me read you one more and I'm finished I love this story revelation chapter one apostle john the last apostle to die all of the apostles had been executed there was a historical record that the roman emperor domitian had tried to boil him in oil and they couldn't kill him so they decided the best thing to do with an evangelist to hurt him would be to put him on an island where he couldn't preach the gospel so that's what they did put him on the island of patmos he probably could have walked around it in a day or so. He says in, John, in Revelation 1, verse 9, I John, your brother and partner in the tribulation, the kingdom and perseverance that are in Jesus was on the island of Patmos, Patmos because of the word of God and my testimony about Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. He's not just walking around this. It's a volcanic island. There's nothing grows there, you know. Maybe you looked at a few penguins. Oh, I don't know what they have around there. Birds. There's nothing. You couldn't even pick a flower. And he's walking around that place, but he's not wasting time. He's in the spirit. Why? Because he's actually set the season. If I'm going to be on this island till the day I die, I'm going to make this island work for me. And so he sets that season apart and on that particular day he was in the Spirit. Oh, glory to God. And the next moment he sees the risen ascended, glorified Son of God. Jesus appeared to him, eyes like blazing fire, his face shining like the sun in all of its brilliance. Out of his mouth came a double-edged sword and I fell dead at his feet, he said. Wow. The glory of God was so intense. That's uh, suddenly worth waiting for. and that book that he wrote that revelation that he had has been read by every generation and will continue to be read by every generation of Christians until Jesus comes to give us insight and understanding wow that's probably worth being exiled on an island for careful what I say here (laughs) (laughs) my point is That is going to do something really crazy. See, holy ground is what you make it. This could be holy ground for you right here this morning. When God appeared to Moses and Joshua, take your shoes off. It's okay wonder if we could have the musicians up. That'd be good, guys. Whatever it takes to help us understand that there are times in our life when we come to seasons where you must just take your shoes off <laughs> and set the season apart for God and say, God, I'm going to make this a sanctified period of my life where I actually stand in your presence and believe for you to do the most outrageous thing i can guarantee you that god has great plans for us i don't know what you're going through i don't know what your seasons are like i don't know what you're troubled with where your anxiety levels are at but i do know this in every season if i set it apart for god and sanctify it and say god this is going to be holy ground for you and me we're going to meet and talk in this season we're gonna get some stuff sorted out and God will, if you will let him, dig really deep. Why don't we stand as we close this? And if you'd like to come in response to this, just come. I do so want to encourage you. I got you know, I've been through seasons, we've been through seasons, we all go through stuff, but I believe God's given us a key to walk into a place of absolute confidence that there's something coming around the mountainside just for you it's got your name on it and you can't see it yet it's coming i want to invite you and please don't be embarrassed please we don't get embarrassed in this church if god's speaking to you by the holy spirit you might want to kick off your shoes i'm not asking you to do that but if it makes if it makes this significant for you just kick your shoes off and get out here and let's pray and let's agree together by the Holy Spirit yeah. that He'll bring you through this into His sudden.